0: Open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts, Acts chapter 15. We'll be reading a lengthy portion of Scripture there, and then focusing on one verse within the passages. Today's message is called Salvation All of Grace. I'd like us to read the context of this. A very important issue had been bought before the Jerusalem Council. It's an issue of whether circumcision was essential to salvation, or if salvation is all of grace. Now this early dissension arose within the church and it had to be dealt with as heresies are in direct opposition to the gospel of God's grace. The gospel of salvation in Christ plus nothing. And this is here for our learning, beloved. All the scripture is for our learning. For us to learn that no man would deceive us. And certain had risen up within the church and said, you must be circumcised to be saved. Therefore, they were mixing law with grace. And they said it was a necessity of keeping the Mosaic law, which circumcision was. But they were shackling the believers, especially we see in Galatia. They were shackling the born-again, blood-washed believers with works of the law, anyone who tries to shackle you with works-based salvation, and I mean anything, anything, any little check mark, you say to them, I am free in Christ, and you stand fast in the liberty, wherewith Christ hath made you free, Paul wrote, and be not again entangled with the yoke of bondage, because that's what that is, beloved, that's what it is. anybody, I like to call it checklist Christianity, and Some of these fellas, they have a checklist. And if you don't check all their boxes, then they say, well, you're not preaching the gospel. You know what? The gospel of God's free and sovereign grace goes forth. And salvation is in Christ alone plus nothing. No matter what any man ever says, baptism can't save you, right? Belonging to a certain church can't save you. When I was a Catholic, I used to think belonging to the Catholic church, I was saved. No, I was wrong. I was lost. as a white goose in a snowstorm. I had no clue who Christ was. So anybody tries to yoke you, and that's what it is. It's like putting chains on you. Anybody tries to yoke you with the bondage of of things that you have to do or checklists that they have. No, no, we stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Ordinances are no saviors works are no savior. There's only one savior, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, in him alone. Paul and Barnabas had completed their first missionary journey, and they returned to Antioch and declared all the things that God had done for them. Turn over one chapter before we get to 15. Look in Acts 14 verses 26 and 27 here. And thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come And had gathered the church together. And remember, the church is not a building. The church is the ecclesia. The called out ones in the Greek. It's the called out ones, which is the body, the people. The people is the church. They're the church. They had gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them. So they told them, look at that. They told them all the great things that God had done. Because it's God who's done it. And how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Oh, could you imagine the joy that they would have hearing that? Could you imagine the joy that the church, the ecclesia, the people would have when they hear that the Lord saved someone? You remember when we heard that the Lord saved Bill Kirkpatrick? Remember how joyous we all were? My! I'll never forget when Kevin told me, calls me on Father's Day, says, my dad just called me, told me the Lord saved him. <laughs> we were all rejoicing, weren't we? We were rejoicing over that. Could you imagine how how these these brethren would feel? These brothers and sisters in Christ would feel, knowing that the door of faith had been opened up to the Gentiles? Oh, they'd be rejoicing, beloved. They'd be rejoicing. And when the word of God's dealings and saving mercies among the Gentiles had filtered back to Jerusalem, certain men took it upon themselves to travel to Antioch and tried to undermine Paul in his ministry. There's always folks like that. Every grace preacher has them happen sometime in their ministry. People who undermine their ministry and oppose them. But you know what we do? We do what Drew Dietz wrote me about three weeks ago. We stand back and watch the sovereign work. That's what we do. Battles the Lord, isn't it? And he stirs his people up, doesn't he? He stirs his people up. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So these guys had come. These certain people had traveled to Antioch and tried to undermine Paul's ministry and convinced the Gentiles who believed that it was needful for them to be circumcised. So what were they doing? They were entangling them to bondage. That's exactly what they were doing. Now let's go to Acts chapter 15. It appears that Paul and Barnabas, who were preachers of the gospel of God's free grace in opposition to the doctrine of circumcision and law-keeping, they decided that they were going to go and see the elders at Jerusalem. And of course, they were led by God to do this. They were led by God to do this. And these men who had come up from Jerusalem to visit Paul and Barnabas at had, had been inclined to call in question Paul's authority and to run down his apostleship as much as possible. And not just cause a small dissension, no, they were looking to cause a large dissension among the body of believers. So with that in mind, let's read here in Acts chapter 15. Look at this. And certain men which came down from Jerusalem taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Look at that. That's checklist Christianity right there in the scripture. I've heard people through the years say, well, you have to be baptized to be saved. Those Church of Christ folks like to say that. 7 day Adventists like to say you have to worship on Saturday or else you tuck the mark of the beast by worshiping on Sunday. It's just ridiculous what people come up with. Absolutely ridiculous what people come up with. All kinds of things. And they're never what the scripture says. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, so now now they're having dissension here. And of course the brethren are hearing all this too. And Paul and Barnabas, they're holding fast for the gospel. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Look at that. When they went, wherever they went, they told people, the Lord's saving the Gentiles. <laughs> it is, it's causing joy like it should, hey. Eh? like it should. Oh my, we rejoice to hear these things. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were they were received of the church. They they received them as of brothers and sisters in Christ and of the apostles and elders and they declared all things that God had done with them. So again, they declared the great things that the Lord had done among the Gentiles. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now these folks have grave clothes still. Norm Wells and I like to say this. This is grave clothes. It says they believed and they got these grave clothes still. They think that you have to be circumcised to be saved. But the Lord teaches his people, doesn't he? He teaches his people. And he teaches us that salvation is by grace alone through Christ alone. Nowhere else nowhere else. Let's read on here. And the apostles and elders came together for them to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, and there was much disputing because this was a gospel issue. This was a gospel issue. Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now look at that. Who made the choice there? <laughs> God made the choice. The scripture says, look at that. Praise God. Cause I'm a Gentile. So are you too, right? I'm so thankful that's in there because we would never have chosen God. My, he made the choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bare them witness and gave them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Look at that, a yoke, a yoke of bondage like Paul wrote about. But we believe, now look at this, look at this verse. This is it right here. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. That's a mountaintop scripture right there. Then all the multitude kept silence. After after that was said, there was silence. And gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon had declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophet as it is written. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up. That the residue of men. Look at that. That the residue of men might seek after the Lord. And all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called. All those who are granted faith to believe. Regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. saith the Lord who doeth all these things. It's the Lord who doeth these things not man. This is the Lord's church. This is the Lord's gospel. I just get the honor of preaching it. But somehow the Lord takes my words and he uses them for his glory. (laughs) Donnie Bell and I often talk about that, how our stumbling words out of our mouth, the Lord takes them and blesses you all and then uses them for his glory. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Amazing. But it's all his work. That the residue of man might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. No one unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. The Lord knows who his sheep are. He knows who he chose in Christ in eternity. He knows the end from the beginning. See, it says here, no one unto God are all his works. My, oh, my. He's absolutely sovereign. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble them Trouble will not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. Don't don't yoke them to bondage. <laughs> let, them, let them be free in the liberty that they have in Christ. Let them be free. But that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of the idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Now, the pollutions of idols and fornications, those were all part of the pagan rituals. That's why, they, that's why they're told to abstain from that because the Gentiles have been saved out of their pagan religions which involve those things and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. So we've seen in our text that Paul and Barnabas traveled to Jerusalem to consider this vital question with the apostles and the elders and the church at Jerusalem. And again, we saw after much disputing, Peter stood up and clears the air with this plain God-inspired statement of the gospel. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. That'll be our text today, Acts fifteen, eleven. And I'd like us to consider four things we can learn from this wonderful statement of salvation in and through Christ alone, plus nothing. Salvation is in Christ alone, plus nothing. Nothing added is all of him. That's why we preach Christ and him crucified. Or no other way, no other way. Let's look at verse eleven again, Acts fifteen, eleven. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved. Look at that wonderful statement. Even as they salvation's all of grace. Spurgeon wrote a wonderful book called All of Grace. If you get a chance to read it, it's wonderful. And he outlines that and brings that forth. That salvation's all of grace plus nothing. The first point I'd like us to consider, of course, is salvation is all of grace. It's all of grace. Look at, the, look at the text again. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation is all of grace. God is holy and we are sinners. The only way that God can be just and justify the ungodly, which is us, is exclusively by his free and sovereign grace. There's no other way. And we as believers wouldn't have it any other way, would we? Because we know we can't save ourselves, let alone anybody else. And we've been showing that if we are to be saved, we must be saved by God's sovereign grace. We've been showing that, haven't we? And this is the plain teaching of the Scriptures. This is the message of all the prophets. This is the message all through the Gospels. And this is the message all through the New Testament. Salvation is of the Lord. We are chosen by His grace, the Scriptures declare, even so... Then at this present time, also there's a remnant according to the election of grace. Even now, God's got a people out there. He's got a sheep. He gathers his people here, and he's got other sheep, though, out there. Oh, my. And how are we justified? Well, turn to Romans chapter 3. How are we justified? Well, we're justified by his grace. Salvation's all of grace. We're saved by his grace. We're justified by his grace. let look a portion in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 27. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. Where is it manifest? In Christ. Who is the righteousness of God? Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The law and prophets give witness of Christ, right? The Lord himself said, The law and the prophets, they testify of me. That's what he said. That's what our king said. Look at this. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. My. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, there's the level playing field in the whole world. We're all sinners. All have sinned. We sin in our thoughts. We sin in action. And we sin with our words. All. All there means all. Religion, it might mean some. No, it means all. It means all. Everybody. Everybody. All have sinned and also what? Come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us in our natural state who could be in the presence of God in our natural state. Not one of us. We all come short. We all, we all miss the mark. That's what it means in the Greek, miss the mark. Come short. But look at this. Look at verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace. That's by God's grace, beloved. Justified, just as if I never sinned. I can't get over that, can you? I can't, I really, I still am in awe when I, when I think about that. I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. For be, or being justified freely, freely. And it has to be free because I certainly didn't seek it, did you? No? Did, did we even desire it in our natural state? No. So it's got to be freely, doesn't it? It's got to be all of grace. How? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, we are purchased by the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Through his blood in Christ Jesus, whom God, look at this, God sent him. I remember hearing one preacher, I think it was Henry, he said, you know, people say, Sweet little baby Jesus. Well oh, no, he's on a mission. He's born king. He's born king. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He came in, he came into this world on a mission. On a mission. Look at this. Whom God has set forth to be what? To be a propitiation. Look at that. To be a sacrifice. The king of kings and the lord of lords comes to be a propitiation. And every believer can say, For my sin. For my sins. And you know, that means he's the sin offering. And he's the one who, and I love it. Some of the old commentators say this. He extinguished the wrath of God that was against us. There's not even more any more smoke coming up. It's gone. The wrath of God has been exhausted when it was poured out in Christ in the place of his people. That's good news, isn't it? That's wonderful news. He's our propitiation, beloved. Through faith in his blood, we right, face the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. He gives us that faith. Oh my. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness. Christ is the righteousness of God. And the gospel declares the righteousness of God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. He paid it all. He paid it all. There's nothing left to be paid. I was reading something on Facebook yesterday, and I had, to, I had to shut it down. I got a little upset. This guy had put up there that uh, God was giving everybody a chance to repent. Tonight. It's just up to you. Well, I had to shut that down real fast. God, by his mercy and by his grace, saves whom he wills. And it's all by his free and sovereign grace, and mercy. We saw, okay, if if God was giving everybody a chance, well, verse 23 tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you look a little further up in that chapter, verses 10 and 11, I believe, it says, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that understand. If God left us where we were, nobody would be saved. Nobody. The reason that the Lord tarries is because the last sheep has not yet been saved. But when that last, last sheep of God, the last sheep of the everlasting covenant is saved, it's all over. It's all over. Oh my. Look at this. What does the gospel do? It declares the righteousness of God. Verse 26. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just. God is a, God is a just God. God is a just God. Christ is the second person of the Trinity. He's just God. And then look at this. And the justifier of of him which believeth in Jesus. So Christ is both the just God and he's the justifier of his people. The very one who gave the law at Sinai, this this gives me chills. I'll tell you what, this gives me chills every time I think about this. The very one who gave the law at Sinai fulfilled the law. God incarnate in the flesh fulfilled the law for his people. Doing that which is impossible for us to do. How can we not but praise him? How can we not but give him all the glory? How can we not but declare salvations of the Lord? Because it is. It's all of him. Where is boasting then? Look at, look at verse 27. Where is boasting then? There's no such thing as a proud Christian. Now, we can be proud in our flesh, right? But we boast in Christ. I remember when I was in religion, I boasted about myself all the time. Things I supposedly did, which were nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord but I thought I was something. And then when I read the scriptures and the Lord opened up the scriptures and showed me the truth and revealed himself to me, I found out I was nothing. And he's everything. He's everything. So where's boasting then? <laughs> it's excluded. We, the, only, the only one we can boast in is Christ. Look what he's done. Look what the Lord's done. By what law? Of works? Nay, by the law of faith resting and trusting and reposing in our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the object of God-given faith. He's the one object of God-given faith. A passage we're all familiar with says this, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, his workmanship. Remember, we're being stones made ready, remember? We're being stones made ready, and one day we're going to be placed in the heavenly temple, beloved. One day we will be. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. He's the author of our salvation, and he's the finisher of our salvation. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Those good works are simply fruit of regeneration, and I'll tell you what, we do not even know when we do them. Remember the folks, the Lord said, when you did it unto the least of my people, you did it unto me we don't even know when we do these works cuz cuz lords people were saying when did we do these things lord when did we do these things oh my oh my salvation's all of grace turn if you would to galatians chapter 1 now in galatia the saints there the gentile saints there, they'd been dealing with they'd been dealing with people coming in and saying you must be circumcised to be saved and look what paul writes to them in galatians chapter 1 and we we'll see here we're called by His grace. So we're saved by His grace. We're saved by His grace. We're called by His grace. We're justified by His grace. We're chosen by His grace in Christ. And now we see here that we're called by the grace of God. Galatians chapter 1, but I certify you, verse 11, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. It's not man-made gospel. No. You know how you know a man-made gospel? Man gets all the glory. True gospel, God gets all the glory. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel is revealed to we who are God's people. Paul writes, For ye have heard of my conversations in times past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Paul was a persecutor of the true church before the Lord saved him. And then he says, And profited in the Jewish religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Look at this. So look at verse 15. Oh my. But. Don't, don't, don't let these little words, but, get by you. In Ephesians chapter 2, there's a but God who is rich in mercy. Don't let these little words get by you. These are wonderful. Look at this. But. When it pleased God. Do you know that when it pleased God, he saved you? When it pleased God, he saved me. Isn't that amazing? When it pleased him. It's wonderful. Not a second too early and not a second too late. When it pleased him. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. And look at this. And called me by his grace. We're called by his grace, beloved. Every single believer is called by the grace of God. And what does the Holy Spirit do? when he calls us, look at this, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. So from election to redemption to glorification is all of grace. Salvation's all of grace. All of it. And you know what we are? Now I don't feel this way, but you know what we are? We're trophies of God's grace. I was talking to a dear brother in the hospital this week. And he told me that he didn't feel like he was worth anything. And I said, brother, you're a trophy of the grace. And he's loved you with an everlasting love. And you mean so much to him. I'm in awe of that, aren't you? Aren't you in awe of that? It's almost too good to be true, isn't it? But it's true. We who are sinners are trophies of the grace of God. The next point I'd like us to consider is salvation is... Through the Lord Jesus Christ in him alone. Let's go back to Acts chapter 15 verse 11. Oh my, God's people are jewels in his eyes. We're his bride. And salvation is all through Christ in him alone. Look at what Acts fifteen, eleven says. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So we see here a contrast that salvation is not through circumcision as the false teachers were proclaiming. Or by any works of the law. There's nothing that you and I can do to save ourselves. Nothing. There's nothing that anyone in this world can do to save themselves. If you're trying, stop. Trust Christ. In Christ alone. Salvation, beloved, is all of grace. And it is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And when He died on Calvary's cross, He died as the great substitute of His people. Taking our place before God. And that wrath which was due us fell upon Him, the sinless one. And He bore it all, beloved. And He purchased us with His own precious blood. Salvation is by Christ as Jehovah the Father appointed Him to be His salvation. He sent Him. Jehovah sent His Son, the Word of God, to save sinners. And every believer says, of whom I'm chief. We say that with Paul, don't we? I'm chief. I don't deserve this mercy. I don't deserve this grace. But we've been pardoned and Christ has purchased us with his precious, precious blood. He obtained eternal salvation for us, the scripture declares. And it is in him and through him and in no other. Salvation is by the grace of Christ. It was his great love for his people, for his bride. His great love for his bride that moved him to engage in this covenant work. Before the world began, He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And He laid down His life. He was God incarnate in the flesh, fully God and yet fully man. And He laid down His life for us. My, and salvation is only in and through Him. The third point I'd like us to consider is salvation is certain for those whom God has foreknowing. It's certain for those whom God has foreknown. Look what it says again in Acts fifteen eleven. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Look at those words. We shall be saved. There's no uncertainties, is there? Yeah, amen, shall. There's no uncertainties there. There's no uncertainties there. We shall. Another little hinge word that's so important. Shall. Notice verse 18 of this chapter. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. That's why we shall be saved. God knows his people. All the things which God does in the church were foreknown and predetermined by him from the beginning of the world. And all of those given to the Lord Jesus Christ in the covenant of grace. All those for whom the Lord Jesus Christ was made surety, mediator, savior, savior must and shall be saved. And you know what? Not only shall they be saved, but they're going to be kept. They're going to be kept. And that's good news for we who can't keep ourselves. Isn't it? That's wonderful. And this is as certain as the sun setting if the Lord wills the next day. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. The blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ guarantees the salvation of his people. Guarantees the salvation of his people. And they will be saved and there be saved by the grace of God alone, through Christ alone, by God-given faith alone. And you know what? All that is to the glory of God alone. He gets it all. He gets all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Let's look at our text again. We see the last point I'd like us to see here is that God saves all whom he saves by the same means. Now, this is important when people come along and have a checklist with you. Tell you got to do this or you got to do that. We see right here that God's people are all saved by the same means. Look at this. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Now there again, note the text here. We shall be saved. Oh, that's honey for my soul. Is it for yours? Oh, even as they. So the lost sheep out there they have not yet been regenerated. They shall be saved, even as we. I remember a long time ago when I was in religion. And you guys have heard me say this. I'm going to mention it again because it's, it's worth repeating. I remember a long time ago when I was in religion, someone telling me that the Jews were saved by offering the sacrifices and the Gentiles were saved by Christ. Now, when I was in that religious group, I believed that. I believed that because that's, you know, that's all I'd ever been taught. And unfortunately, I wouldn't be in the Berean. But when the Lord saved me, and then I heard someone say that, I said, that's wrong. And I wasn't very long, and the Lord had saved me. And when I heard that, I realized that it shows an other lack of knowledge of the scriptures to say that. Because salvation's of the Lord, from beginning to end. Salvation's only found in Christ, in Christ alone. And we learned in our study in the book of Colossians, that the old testament sacrifices were pictures and shadows of things to come pointing to the one who would be the substance of them let's turn if you would to colossians colossians chapter 2 christ is the substance of all those shadows and all those pictures paul was battling false teachers which had crept into coloss and he brings forth that christ is the fulfillment of all these pictures and types and shadows colossians chapter 2 verses 16 to 23 Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days. Look at this. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So if I was walking up along the side of the building here and you were out in the front porch there, you would see my shadow come up first if the sun was in the right place. You would see my shadow before you saw me. And then I come around the corner substance, right? So all those types and pictures in the Old Testament were shadows, shadows of Christ. But Christ is the substance. Look at 17, which are shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward and a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. So the false teachers had said that there was multiple mediators between God and they were angels. And they said, Christ is but one of those angels. That's why that's in there. Intruding into those things which he hath not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered, and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using. Now, religion loves that, right? Touch not this, taste not this. Right? We've all, some of us are not, because we've been there, haven't we? We've been there. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, beloved. Stand fast. Oh, be not again entangled with the yoke of bondage, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. Look at that. Will worship was a problem back then, just like it is today. Men worship their wills, eh? You just tell them that salvation's all of the Lord, and they say, not in my will? And I say, well, I was made willing in the day of God's power. My will won't get me into anything but trouble. Is it so for you? (laughs) It's true, isn't it? Which indeed have a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So we see there that all those things in verse 17 were a shadow of things to come. But Christ is the body. Christ is the fulfillment of all those shadows. He's the substance. He's the substance. And Paul proclaimed the same message to the elders at Jerusalem as he proclaimed in his epistles. The same gospel that he preached to the Colossian believers is the same gospel that he spoke to the council at Jerusalem. Same gospel. He proclaimed salvation is by Christ alone, in Christ alone, through Christ alone, and that there's no other way to be saved except in Christ. And there is not one method of salvation for the Jews and another for the Gentiles. That's a lie. And I found that out fast after the Lord showed me the truth. There's not one salvation for the Jews by following the ordinances and then salvation for the Gentiles in Christ. No, we are saved in Christ and Christ alone. Here's a question for you. People nowadays often talk about rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. Big thing, right? Huge things. People send money over there and all that. I remember someone one time talking to me about this. And this knocked my socks off. This is shortly after the Lord had saved me. And I used to, you know, watch the papers for all these events that went on and all that stuff. And he said to me, why would God need that temple to be rebuilt? And I said, well, for the sacrifices. Because I still had dispensational grave clothes on. You know what he said to me? He said, every one of them sacrifices would be an abomination to God. He said, because Christ is the final sacrifice. Oh my, that just... That refuge of lies just went right into a pit. There's no need for that to be done again. Now, do I pray for a revival amongst the Israel nation? Absolutely. I pray that for all around the world, don't we? That the Lord would have a mighty revival if it be his will. I don't know anybody who wouldn't want that. But there's no need for that temple to be rebuilt because those sacrifices would be an abomination to our great God and King. Christ is the final sacrifice. And the redeemed of the Lord, look at our text here, it says, we shall be saved even as they. There's only one way of salvation for Jews and Gentiles, and that's in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. We are one in Christ, one in Christ. The redeemed of the Lord are saved by the pure, free, and sovereign grace of God in Christ, plus nothing, nothing, nothing. And are we not one hundred percent dependent upon our great God, our Savior, for our salvation? I mean, one hundred percent too. You know, religion—they talk about—I don't even think they think it's ninety-nine point nine. I think they think it's more like eighty-nine point—you know—by eleven percent or something, because they always something men's got to do. My salvation—and I know if you're a believer, your salvation is a hundred percent dependent upon Christ and Christ alone. Period. That's who I rest my eternal soul on. Is it so for you? If it's not, I pray God would make it so. And if it is so, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice that salvation is all of the Lord, all in Christ. Can you keep the law of God perfectly? Can I keep the law of God perfectly? (laughs) Absolutely not. I can't even keep one jot of it. But Christ did this for his people. He kept the law perfectly. And the only way of salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ, whose sacrifice atoned for the sins of all the elect. Of all the ages. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. A number that we can't even number. How? Some might say, how? Because he's God. He's the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to save his people from their sins, and he accomplished it. He did it. And he did it all. He obtained eternal salvation for us. And the believer in Christ is accepted by God accepted in the beloved, accepted in Christ. We now have communion with God in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all by His grace. And it's all by the work of Christ. We are saved from our sins. We're saved from ourselves, beloved. We're saved from all our sins. Saved from death. Death has no more sting. This but a doorway for the believer to go into glory. Saved from hell and damnation. Saved from the wrath of God. What did the wrath of God do when it fell on Sodom and Gomorrah? What did the wrath of God do in the great flood? Oh my, everything was wiped out. Saved from the wrath of God. How? In and through the Lord Jesus Christ. According to the mercy of God. So the salvation of God's people, both Jews and Gentiles, all of grace. No one is deserving of it because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are sinners and have sinned in the sight of God. We cannot save ourselves. But praise be God, the Lord Jesus Christ has saved his people from their sins. Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. It says this, Looking unto Jesus, that's who we look to, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And that joy is the saving of his people, redeeming his people, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Oh, when you're weak and heavy laden with trials and tribulations, which we often are, if you get down, which we often do, if you get filled with anxiety, which we often do, Rest in Christ. Turn your mind to him. Look unto the author and finisher of our faith. Look at this in Revelation chapter 1 verses 4 to 8. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. Look at that and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with the clouds. He's coming again, beloved. He's coming again. He's coming again. Behold, he cometh with the clouds and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and all the kings of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's our great God. The beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. That's our Savior. That's our Savior, beloved. And what is faith? Faith is looking to Christ. Not to how much faith I have. Or you have? No. Our faith is fickle, isn't it? Yeah, It's not faith that saves, but it's Christ who saves. It's Christ. And our faith has one object, and that is Christ. Faith is looking to Christ, not to my prayers, not to my worship, not to my meditation. I had someone tell me recently, they said, well, I don't pray enough. And I said, just look to Christ. Don't look to yourself. Just look to Christ. We look to ourselves. We let ourselves down every single time, (laughs) won't we? Faith is looking to Christ and not the law. The law wounds, but never heals. It kills. But never gives life. But Christ is life for the believer. Faith is looking to Christ and not to his mother, nor his apostles, nor to a cross. Because there's only one mediator between God and man. And that's the man, Christ Jesus. Faith is looking to Christ and not the brethren, neither the best nor the worst of them. Have no confidence in our flesh. We are to have no confidence in our flesh at all. Don't look to me, I'll let you down every time. Look to Christ. Look to Christ and Christ alone. And don't have any confidence in our flesh. None. Faith is looking to Christ, not my strength nor my weaknesses. All grace or strength we have is given by God. That's why I pray often for the believers that God will give us grace and strength. Because that's what we need. I need that all the time. Pray for that for me, please. Pray that God will give me grace and strength. Oh, pray, please pray that for me. Faith is looking to Christ who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. We change all the time. He's unchanging, beloved. He's the changeless one. Faith is looking to Christ again at all times. And we never stop coming, do we? Brother Henry Mahan said, we come to Christ and we keep coming. The rest of our life is a life of coming to Christ and Christ alone, continuously. Looking to him, leaning on him, depending upon him. And he is the only one true savior. The only savior of sinners. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you faith to believe on him. And may God give we who are his people faith and grace and strength to trust and rest in him each day.